0: Grady mentioned last week, Advent means coming, the coming of. And so last week he encouraged us with hope. And obviously that's the beginning point, that we all have hope in the coming of hope through the person of Jesus Christ. And I'm always, I love what I have the opportunity to share this morning. It's a word I love to share on, um, as you're going to see a little later, because of the context that it plays out so much in Scripture. But today we're going to look at and encourage you with peace. And some of you may be sitting here this morning and, this word has different meanings for a lot of folks. This, there's a lot to this word. It is a very meaty word. There's uh, much to it in Scripture and when we think about it. But, you know, in society, that word is used a lot. It's thrown around over the, you know, decades and decades. And, you know, people have used it to be a little term of, you know, peace. You know, what's up that's Just a little term. Or, you know, we see the little circle with the thing on the shirt with the broken cross, the symbol. And throughout the decades, we've heard thousands of beauty contestants during their interview, say, what would you want more than anything else? And what do they all say? World peace. What does that really mean? I mean, I don't think they, most of them know what that means. It's just something they say. And But it's a word that has been used and valid. I mean, it's, to me, it's one of the most key words in all scripture when we look at what we're going to see today and the importance of it. But just to give you first, by definition, just to start out before I'm going to have us uh, read something together. But um in a sense, when we talk about the Hebrew word and the Greek word, we all know the Greek Hebrew word is Shalom and the Greek word is Irene. OK, but they're very similar all throughout the Old and New Testament. They have very similar context in how they're expressed. But I want you to just hear this first. It's a lot to it, but I want you to try to take it in and then try to see um, where this may can encourage you and apply for you today. Because some of you may be in here and after you hear this go, the last thing I'm experiencing right now in my life is this word. The last thing I see in society or in the world right now is this word is what this word reveals and what it has to do with. But very simply, there's many aspects of it, but it's a state of quietness, a state of tranquility, a freedom from want or agitation, of disturbance, of fear, freedom from anger and anxiety. This aspect of being reconciled between parties, this aspect of having welfare and health and prosperity, this aspect of rest and contentment. And what we're going to see even more clearly is it's the harmony that takes place in two relationships. And so you may have heard some of those words and go, you know, first of all, I'm not experiencing freedom from fear. I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm struggling with fear. I'm struggling with some of these things. I don't have a life of contentment right now with relationships, at work, at school, with different things in my life. I can honestly say I just I'm not experiencing peace today. And so what I want to encourage you with is that you can today. Things can change. Your heart can change. Your mindset can change. Your perspective on this word can change. And you can leave here different with this word than when you came in. And that's what I want to encourage you with. So as we declare today, I want everybody to please stand. We're going to declare the word of God together. A very familiar passage. And I want to take a little bit of the end of it, with the context, and kind of expound on it a little bit. But let's all declare this together. A very familiar passage. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Leave that last one up. You all see the transition in the last couple of verses? One angel declared a savior's coming. One is coming, Savior who is Christ the Lord. And after that declaration, who showed up? A heavenly host. Guys, can you imagine? I hope God has a video of this. But can you imagine at that moment, we don't know what a host represents, but I can only imagine with the heavenly host, the angelic realm, it could have been in the thousands of a heavenly host that the shepherds are now seeing in the sky, declaring this last thing. Can you imagine that moment? That had to be amazing. So I want us to declare this one more time in a sense of understanding we're joining with the angelic realm and the heavenly host and declare this with a little more unction, just considering. Just think about those thousands of ages that have waited since when? Creation to declare this. It was almost like this choir of the heavenly realm holding off in the room, practicing for centuries and millennia. And finally, God the Father said, it's time to go declare He's coming. Can you imagine that moment for them? They were handpicked. It's not like they just all showed up. God had an angelic host chosen to declare this truth. And we get to participate in that today. So let's declare it again. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You may be seated. I just love that declaration. It's what we're going to look at this morning. And when you hear that word peace, as we know with everything, peace begins with a person. And that person is God himself. And the beauty of that is we look at the origin of this word. The origin of peace starts with the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Some of you may never have even thought about it in this context. The reason this word is so important because it is representative and it's a display and a manifestation of God himself. Long before creation, God existed, right? Perfectly, in perfect unity, in perfect harmony, in perfect what? Peace. That word didn't even exist. That word is a reflection of who God is in his person. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, all living in this, for us as humans, an incomprehensible unity and harmony and you know, contentment and satisfaction that is beyond what we can truly understand. Thank God for that, or we would be God. So when we start with the word peace, and why is it so important? It is God. He is peace in and of himself, as the Father, Son, and Spirit, long before creation, enjoyed this perfect harmony of perfection, this ultimate peace together. And then, by his own choice, not because of anything that was lacking, did God lack anything in and of himself? No. Perfectly satisfied. Perfect in everything he is. But out of his love and grace and mercy and and wanting to reveal his glory and to experience that and to have glory brought back to him, he what? Created. So in the the Garden of Eden, creation, when God put that in place, and at the end of on day seven, it said he looked at all that he had done and it was what? Not just good, it was what? Very good. There is now a little word before it. It was very good. So where we can first see what God intended, his original intent, was perfect peace on earth, was where? In the garden. There was perfect harmony, perfect contentment. Everything was tranquil and quiet and perfect. With who? Adam and Eve. With two humans. And they were to obey one negative command, right? Do not eat. That was it. And what happened to perfect peace in the garden? Broken. Why? Sin and rebellion. So we look to this and go, why is peace so important? Because it, number one, is who God is, but it was his original intent for all of it. That his creation, that the reflection and manifestation of who he is here on earth, through his creation, through all that he did, is perfect peace that Adam and Eve in that garden would experience him and have a relationship with him and experience the fullness of what that word is. But sin and rebellion brought in what? Conflict, animosity, disunity, broke it all up. And so from that point on it was God, again God's plan, his intent now to redeem, to restore and to put back in place what? Peace. Peace had to come back cuz that's what he intended. Sin broke it, and then now he has a kingdom plan to restore that back. And we in this room are the result of that plan, of what God intended, and why it's so important for us to understand that today and to receive that peace, to receive what he did, what we're struggling with even right now. So God had a plan of restoration, redemption, and reconciliation from the beginning. And what I love, even in the Old Testament, as God was establishing his authority and who he was, You remember when the temple was in place, they had a high what? Priest to what? Represent and be the mediator between us and God. And so God established a set of precepts and rules and boundaries on how his people were to relate with him. What? Experience what with him? Peace with him. And what he put in place were sacrifices and different rules and boundaries within the temple and other type of things. We have ten of them that we abide by very clearly, right? The Ten Commandments. All that's a part of it. But what I love, even throughout the time of Moses and establishing his law and the temple and everything, there were guilt offerings, there were sin offerings, but guess what else very clearly was mentioned consistently? There were peace offerings. Guys, that's significant, that he even continued to emphasize that word in relationship with him by sacrificing an animal. That you bring this animal before God... You kill it. Blood is shed to what? Have peace with their God. So all through the Old Testament we see this. And it was just a constant way that they related with them. I want to lay just some foundational Old Testament scriptures. Um, I'm going to do, I have 13 scriptures. So a couple, few I'm going to put on the board. And the others I just want you to receive in here just for time's sake. Okay. Psalm 119, 165. This psalmist says, Great peace have those who love your law nothing can make them stumble. It's a pretty bold statement. The psalmist is saying, you live by the precepts of God and who He is and His nature, and you obey His law, you're going to experience great peace and you will not stumble. You will live with a faithfulness and a trustworthiness where you will be able to handle things and not fall from grace. Isaiah 26, verse 3-4. through Isaiah says, You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. So even here, Isaiah is saying, you can experience this amazing peace. Even here it says perfect peace. By having your mind focused on God. Trusting him, looking to him forever. Because he's a rock. He's the one that we can cling to and fall back on. He is solid and secure. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. Very, very familiar passage. For to us a child is born. Remember, what did Grady what did, uh, say last week? How many hundreds of years is Isaiah? You guys remember? 700. Keep that, in, keep that in perspective, you guys. This is amazing. Again, Look at what Isaiah is declaring here. 700 years before Jesus is born. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And what? Prince of peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. I love this declaration. What a prophecy of the one who is to come. And it says it doesn't say a government shall be upon his shoulder, does it? It says what? The government. There is one power, one authority, one kingdom above all. There is one. And he is it. He rules over all, is an authority over all. And look at the beauty of how he's described. This wonderful counselor, a mighty God, so there's power there. But a counselor, do you remember who is the counselor of the Trinity? It's the Holy Spirit. He's the paraclete. He literally is the one who comes alongside. So he's he's saying here, there is this comforter that's coming, this mighty God, this everlasting father, a prince of peace. The Trinity, the Godhead is represented in this scripture. And this government that's coming will have eternal peace. One peace forever and ever based on justice and righteousness. So back to Luke chapter 2, just to, you know, he's not going to put it up, but just to look at this again. This declaration 700 years before, and now an angelic realm came in to declare it again. And an angel came and again said, I don't know if you guys caught this, because we've heard the story about, we, I love, love Peanuts, love Charlie Brown. We've all seen Charlie Brown Christmas? And what we declared was what? What Linus got on stage and did, did he not? What a climactic end of that. Just declared the gospel there. But when, how he declared it at the end, it said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth... Peace and goodwill toward what? Men. Peace and goodwill toward men. Well, that's not a very accurate translation. It's just not. It's in part, that was the King James Version, but what we declared, did you guys catch the end of what we declared? It is very significant. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And that changes a lot of that context. Now, obviously, the Messiah was coming. The Savior is coming to offer peace to all. He's coming to restore peace. But not everyone was going to experience it. And especially not in the way that we think. And we all know today, the world says they offer peace. But as we're going to see here in a second, is it an absolute lie? It's a facade. It's fake. It's not real. And so when we look at this and we see that, A Savior is coming. A Deliverer is coming. They declared this one who was coming. It reminded me of Moses. Because remember, he says, a Savior is coming. Did you know that's what Moses means? The word Moses, Deliverer, Savior, when he came? When Moses came to the people of Egypt, what was he coming to save them from? Bondage, right? Slavery. What are we all? That's what I love about this declaration. Everyone this Savior is coming to deliver and set free are what? We are all bound. Mankind was bound. We were in bondage to sin and rebellion. That's what was broken in the garden. That's why there was no peace. So this one who was to come, as they declared, is coming to restore and to deliver us from our bondage of sin. Isn't that amazing when you see the context, what it was declared? And this is what is offered to us and what God has come to do. As I was studying, I found one of uh, Piper's um, little devotionals on this, and he had some good insight just to bring out this. But talking about this glory of God in the highest and peace to those whom whom he is pleased, Piper says, these are the great purposes for the coming of Jesus. Glory ever ascending from man to God and peace ever descending from God to man. God's glory sung out among men for the sake of his name. And God's peace is lived out among men for the sake of his name. There is hardly a better way to sum up what God was about when He created the world or when He came to reclaim the world in Christ. As what we said before, His glory and our peace. His greatness and our joy. His beauty and our pleasure. The point of creation and redemption is that God is glorious and means to be known and praised for His glory by a peace-filled new humanity you read that last part again, I thought that was so good. The point of creation and redemption is that God is glorious and He means to be known and praised for that glory by a peace-filled new humanity. And that's what those angels were declaring. they are ones that are going to experience this peace that God is pleased with. They're the only ones. So who are those at whom God is pleased? Who are those people? Well, Isaiah 48 and Isaiah 57... Both, quote, Isaiah says, there is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. There is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. And we know according to Romans 8, if we're, the flesh and the spirit are at what? Enmity with one another, right? They're at odds. So on the one side of the flesh is wicked. On the other side of the spirit are those that experience life, right? So there's your contrast. There's no in between. Amen? We have wicked and we have those in the Lord. Therefore, anyone who is not a follower of Jesus Christ or in Christ or a placed their faith in Jesus Christ, let's just say what the scripture says, they're on the side of what? Wickedness. They will never experience peace. So the one that they're crying out to is those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. One of my favorite scriptures, Romans 5, verse 1. Very familiar to all. This is where the transition takes place. says, why we're in this room. If you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is Why? You guys can put that Romans 5 one. You did have that one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only reason we have peace with God is because we've been justified by Christ. And remember, justification is that federal, it's a judicial act where Jesus himself took our place, took everything upon himself for us. He took CJ's place. I should be dead. I should be crucified. I should have paid for my sin. I should be murdered. Not him. So, justification is that Jesus stepped in and became my replacement, my atoning sacrifice. And isn't this beautiful? That way back in the Old Testament, all those thousands of years, the Israelites offered what to the Lord? Peace offerings. What did Jesus become? Our peace offering. Jesus became that for So when he laid his life down and we sang it, that lamb of God was the capital T-H-E, the peace offering that took care of all of it for us. So if you're in here today, you can look to that truth first and go, I can have hope in life and be free and experience the freedom we sung about. And it doesn't matter what situation I'm in or what problem or discontent or disunity or I'm dealing with fear and anxiety, but because Jesus became my peace offering. I can have hope and life and justice, and I can walk in his righteousness. That's the truth we start with. That's why we're in this room, is because of his justification. So he was our peace offering. Paul says in Ephesians 2.14 that Jesus himself is our peace. Peace is a person. That's why we've got to always go back to it. That's why our faith is different than everything else. Our peace, what we experience, our rest, our tranquility, our contentment, our satisfaction is in a person, not in anything else. It's a person of Christ, and that's where it starts. So just look to him, just think about that as we continue, as we finish up here, that he became your peace offering for your salvation, for you to experience life with him. Let me just throw out, read some of these verses and just take this in, and, and Patsy read one of them. John 14, 27, Jesus declared, I mean, this is amazing to even think about. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Just hear that? Jesus saying, the peace that I have, I'm giving to you. What kind of peace could Jesus be experiencing? He's the God man, fully God and fully what? Human. But the peace he's experienced is in full harmony, full unity, full contentment, full satisfaction in whom? His Father, with God himself. And he's saying, I'm going to give you that peace, that tranquility, that contentment, that trust, that faith, that relationship I have is yours now to experience the same way. Wow. And again, I know sometimes it's hard to take those big Truth, this almost incomprehensible truth, and really whittle them down to our life, this everyday stuff that we're struggling with. But guys, that's what we have to try to say. Holy Spirit, help me do that. Help me apply that incomprehensible truth that the peace that Jesus himself experienced and is experiencing, even now sitting on the right hand of the Father as God the Son, we have that peace. It's not like we have to go get it. Where is it? It's here. If we've been justified by faith, and we place our faith and trust in Jesus, and we are his follower, and we are his child. Every, everything that he is of his peace, all of his peace is where? Right here. It's abiding right here. And that is a truth we have to live by. John chapter 16, verse 33. Just another encouraging one. In John 16, Jesus is in the upper room. They're all laying around the, the Lord's Supper table. They just had communion together. And Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about how he has to leave and go to the Father and talking about his return one day. So you would think that would stir a little bit in the apostles, right? You think they would be experiencing a lot of peace at that moment? Probably not. You're what? You're leaving us? You're bringing someone's coming down? You're leaving to go to the Father? You're dying? You're going to be murdered in a few days? This is the conversation. And look what's declared. Again, we've heard this many times, but this is the context. Jesus said, I have said all these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have, what? Overcome the world. I love that he made this statement clear. In the world you will maybe have tribulation. You will. But I love the contrast there saying the world does not provide any peace. There's nothing the world has to offer that's going to provide you peace. Only me in me, based on the relationship you have with me and who I am. And so right now, you may be here going, yep, I'm in the birth, tribulation, trials, pain, suffering. But what did he just say here? In him, you can overcome that. You can live through that, you can walk through that with his power, with his love, with his grace. In him, you can have peace in that situation. Romans fifteen thirteen. Just take these in. May the God of hope fill you With all joy and peace in what? In believing, in your faith. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In your faith, in believing, in trusting. Paul's here saying, he's praying this down. May you experience hope and joy and peace in believing. So that, there's a result. So that as you experience that, the power of the Holy Spirit is there. And you can abound in the hope that is before you. Philippians 4, 7, again, another very familiar passage. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't a lot of times we just, when we're praying, we'll just say, Lord, we want your peace that what? Passes all understanding. We usually stop there. But do you guys see the rest of that verse? This is really important. I mean, I've never really saw it this way for years what Paul is saying here is that the peace of God, again, first of all, which surpasses all understanding. So what does that tell us there? So what type of thing? It's supernatural. This is something that is so beyond what we can fully grasp. Only through the power of the Spirit and God revealing it to us can we truly walk in it and accept it and understand it. And that's a good thing because it's so amazing and so supernatural. But literally it says it will what? Guard us, our hearts and our minds, in Christ Jesus. Piper goes on to say in this little area, he says, the picture here is that our hearts and our minds are under assault. The peace of God, all that God is in this contentment and rest and tranquility and all that he is in this, his health, his welfare, all that is God, literally can be like our secure guard. It wraps around us like a fortress is what you can picture. Our hearts and our minds to protect us. Because, as he says here, we're under assault. Guilt and worries and threats, confusions, uncertainties, they all threaten our peace. When I got to this point, I'm always reminded, and I love this study. You can put up the first slide. You guys will all get a little reminder of, ta-da. Okay. Whenever I hear the word peace, it's such a big part of Psalm 23. I love teaching on the sheep and all that. You guys know that. But this is just a great example. When you see this picture, have you guys ever seen the sheep right up the road here? You guys know we have a little flock. I'm this close to just barging in and knocking on the door and saying, we have a little chat. <laughs> but I've seen it for years. But there's a little herd, a little flock behind. But literally, right up here, right after Bell Road or whatever. I mean, the, the Y. So even when I see them out there and stuff, but this right here, this picture, through Scripture and what we see, is the manifestation of the physical presence of peace. Okay? In a herd, in a flock of sheep, specifically sheep. When you see this, that is peace, by definition. Because when you study sheep and all these other kind of things, and if Paige was here, she probably could attest, but it takes many things to happen within the herd that the shepherd has to do to make the conditions of that flock be in a certain type of way for the sheep to even do this. Okay? That doesn't happen by a sheep just going, you know, plopping on down. Do you remember... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, say it louder, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You ever caught that? The sheep don't plop down on their own. It literally says, he makes me lie down. Well, how does he make the sheep lie down? What's the context? There's four things very brief. Four things have to be in place for a sheep to be in a posture and a mindset to be able to do that. They have to, and we just saying, that's why I love the songs again. Freedom is the word. For the sheep to do that, there has to be freedom from fear. No fear whatsoever. If there's the slightest inkling of fear, sheep cannot do that. Okay? Because they're going to be what? Up on all fours, panicking, anxiety, looking around, what's going on, startled, can't stop. So freedom from fear. Second is freedom from friction, specifically relationships in the herd. With other sheep. If there's a couple ewes going at it, a couple of rams going at it, a couple of mamas button up, you know, which we've seen, if there's any friction in the herd amongst each other, they cannot do this. So that's number two. Three, freedom from pests. What do you just read here? We're always under what? Assault. Pests, gnats, bugs, mosquitoes. Those of you that work with cows all the time, you see them flying around and they're just what? You've seen cows banging their heads up against trees and there's chaos. There's no peace there. So for a sheep to even do this, there can't be any pests around. And lastly, freedom from hunger. If there's no peace. If they're eating, they always have to stand. So just to see that picture, which I hope whenever you see it, it's just that's perfect peace. So there's no fear, no friction in relationships. There's no pests around. And they're not hungry. They're satisfied fully. Okay? And so we know John chapter 10 is the only scripture in all of the Gospels that Jesus emphasizes this beautiful relationship of shepherd to sheep. It's the good shepherd chapter. And in it, Jesus says, I'm the door. And if I'm the good shepherd, if anyone walks and enters through me, they will be saved. And then they are able to come in and out and find pasture. Y'all hear that word? So you can come in and out of my gate. but you can come in and out of my door, and you will find pasture. That's the same Greek word of me pastor. Okay? It means poimane, which means one who pastures, one who shepherds. And the whole emphasis of that is when you come in and out and find pasture, it means the sheep will find everything they need fully to satisfy them. Full satisfaction, which means, i.e., peace. So Jesus is saying, when you come in and out of me, I'm the good shepherd in the door. You're going to come in and out and find peace wherever you go. And the very next verse he brings up the contrast. But there is one who's a thief. And he comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And when we teach this with the flock, it's those of the predators. Every flock of sheep are terrified of predators. Wolves, cougars, anything that's going to come, and they kill. And who is that? That's Satan. When we talk about that we're under assault, that is what the enemy comes to do to bring guilt, worries, threats. He tries to do anything he can to get us little sheep off track And to lure us into places or get us off in places where we are not in the care or in the sight of our shepherd, right? Because what will that eventually lead to? Destruction. I'm going to show you this video that we found. It's hilarious, but this is us and me, and I just have to show you all. This is what happens. This is unbelievable. There's us. Good old Christians. Here we go. Welcome to Christianity. Here we go. All right. Is that unbelievable? But that's us. That's, I saw that. I was like, there's CJ. Seriously, though, think about it. Something had to attract... That sheep, to go in that hole. I mean, guys, that is so us. And some of you right now, you're saying, CJ, I'm there. I'm in the hole right now. There is some humor in that, but that's the reality of who we are. The dumbest animal on the planet is what? It's a sheep. Proven. We're talked to as most in the Bible of being a what? We're sheep. There's a reason for that. But something lured that animal... In that hole, what could have been down there that is so wonderful and could be so glorious and to be a place of rest or peace? Because eventually, that animal is not brought out by that man. What happens very soon? Death. Absolute death. But this is what God has called us. That's why he came. We were all in that hole before we knew Jesus. That's what he came to rest. That's why he brought us out, out of the what? The pit. That's such a beautiful visual of what he came to do for us to bring perfect peace, ultimate peace in himself, to pull us out of that pit that there was no way out on our own. Y'all amen that? No way out. There was no way that she could get on his own. Impossible. Physically. Impossible. The laws of physics and nature, there was no way that she could get out. That's us before Christ. And now that we have that peace and experience that peace, there's a reason for it. And what I love about this dynamic, and it's a little different for us, Many of us are called to be the guy now, in our context, to come and grab some of our fellow people and help them what? Out of that hole. We're called to be that guy, that shepherd, to come alongside and to pull folks out and to come and rescue and to bring peace to humanity and to people's lives through that example. And so when we do this, when we trust the Lord, Piper, I want to read a couple of little things as I close. He says, when we do this, when we trust the Lord, when we come to Him, when we recognize that shepherd yanking us out and bringing us to a place of peace and putting us upright on our feet again, and we remember that we already have the peace of God abiding in us and trusting Him as our loving and Heavenly Father to help us, His peace will come to us. It will steady us. It will protect us. And it will bring us out of those disabling effects of fear, anxiety, and guilt. And then, from that posture, we are able to carry on. And our God gets the glory for what we do because we've trusted in him. Guys, there is a reason. He came back to bring his peace, to restore it all. But guess what? He's called us to participate in bringing the peace back. You guys know that? It is on him, but now he's wanting us to join in as ambassadors of peace now. As I was seeing the horrible things at Gatlinburg and the fires and all that stuff, all I kept hearing, you know, we hear, we heard the, the two words: the disasters and all these things. First, what? Responders. First responders. First, they're the first ones to what? Dive in. They run to the danger. They run to the chaos. They run into the conflict. With what? No fear. Because I know that's what they're called to do. They're equipped. They're ready. Alex is one of those guys. He's on the ambulance and he's ready at any moment to get a call. Right now, he can go. And he's a first responder. At certain locations. Right now, you could get beeped. Guys, that's us. We have been called to be first responders of peace to this world, to the people around us. Romans 12, 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Strive for, pursue peace with everyone. Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32, a little different context, but this is how we cultivate peace in our lives. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Here's how we cultivate peace. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You guys realize the only way, here, only way people are going to experience beyond, again, a supernatural act which God can do and walk in this room, I know he can that this hurting, painful, discontented, disunified, chaotic world is going to experience peace is through first responders, you. That's what we've been called to be. We've been called to run into situations where there is no peace and bring it, not because of ourselves, but of what? The peace that abides within us. Every one of us in, in this room probably have been struggling over the past few months here with relationship issues, people at work, at school, bullies dealing with stuff at work, having to deal with ethical issues or integrity issues and all these things. And in all those situations, God is asking you, you're a person of peace, run into it. Pursue it. Bring my truth. Bring my grace, my love, everything that I am as God into that situation. Why? Because it abides in you. You're fully equipped. Every one of you in your list and you lack nothing. You have everything you need. Fully armed, fully equipped to be those people of peace. And this world needs to experience it. Even this past few weeks with all the tragedies in Gatlinburg and all around, many people, how do we all know, they hate the holidays. We've been around folks. It's grieving time. There's pain. There may have been loss. There could be situations that they don't like the shopping and this. It brings back memories. There are all sorts of things. And the only way they're going to experience God's love and grace and joy and peace is through you. We all have that opportunity, but hear me. For those that are in here right now that are saying, but I don't have it myself at the moment. I'm not experiencing it. Recognize what he's done, who he is, how he wants to draw you back into a place of rest and contentment and tranquility and trust in him. And it takes one, one thing, help. One word. Help me, God, that's it. I need you. Fill me. As we talked about a few weeks ago, maybe it takes a few more moments of parking your heart at his feet, spending time with him, reaching out to him, saying, God, I need you. Bring me back to this place of the peace that I know I have in you, but I have not tapped into it. I've allowed circumstances of life and other things get in the way, and I'm not experiencing that peace. And in turn, guys, that's why the enemy does this about the sheep. You know why he leads us, why he wants to get us outside of the realm of the flock pull us into these holes? How effective are we going to be? Not at all. We can't be used of the Lord as first responders of peace or as ambassadors and be salt and light if we're in a hole. It's what he wants to do. That's the enemy's work. But our precious shepherd is there to say, I'm here, I'm going to pull you out, and I'm going to maybe use somebody else of my own flock to help me do it. But if we recognize, number one, the peace is here. He's come, he's abided us. He's resting in us. He wants to fill us afresh. And in turn, he's calling us to join with him in the full restoration of what's to come. Guess what, guys? You know what our hope is, what he talked about last week? What's coming? That perfection again, right? One day when we see him again, we're going to experience that perfect peace that he intended from the beginning. Guys, that's the hope. Amen. I'm hoping you're getting, that's what we're looking forward to. And it's all about being in the presence of the one who is peace, and that's Jesus himself. What an amazing day that's going to be. But we get to be a part of joining with him in this to bring peace to this world. True, authentic, pure, spirit-led peace. Not what the world tries to offer. And we can be the voice for that. Every one of us knows people in this room beyond ourselves that need to experience his peace this week. And we can be our arms, our lips, our actions can provide that to people. Let's stand as the worship team comes. So I do want to encourage you. Maybe you just need to come down here and do business. Say, Lord, just take it. I know your peace has come. I know you have come. But I just want to lay it at your feet. Bring me to a place of tranquility and rest and contentment in you. I trust you. I want to be satisfied in you. God, pull me out of the hole. for whatever it is that the Lord wants to lead you to a place of his rest and forgiveness. And he's there. He will strengthen you. He will draw you to himself. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. God, thank you that it's so clear that we have a relationship with, with peace himself. That you have sent Jesus to be that example for us. To show us the nature of God and your character and all that you are, Lord, that you came as the peace offering to satisfy that sin and rebellion that the price had to be paid. There had to be a price paid for it. And you sent your only son, and we thank you for that. And thank you, God, that you saved us. You've justified us. You've offered peace to us in life and hope. And Lord, I just pray all across this sanctuary that you would just touch hearts right now, that maybe right now when they saw that visual, that's where they are in a hole. They're separated from you. They may not be walking with you. They may be stuck. But God, we know you're the one who rescues. You're the one who draws. You're the one who snatch us from those places by your grace and your love. So Lord, just minister to those that need a touch from you today. And for those that may be experiencing your peace in that way, I pray God that you would then challenge our hearts and convict us that now we are to take that peace and be those vessels of peace and those first responders of peace into a world that's hurting and suffering and there's so much chaos and animosity and Discontentment, Lord, that you've called us into those places to bring the hope of your love and the hope of your peace. So we thank you again for who you are, for what you've called us to, for the amazing shepherd that you are, that you desire to draw us to that place of peace and rest in you. In Jesus' name.